0: Let's go to Mark 11 and, of course, we'll start with 22. Hallelujah. I want to read this teaching that Jesus has given us of the operation of faith. And I want us to hear with ears that are eager to receive insight from the Lord. It's a familiar scripture, but we don't let it have a familiarity where we lose the impact of it. We come to it knowing that this scripture is just as alive today as the very first day I ever heard it. It has wisdom and revelation that is fresh and new every day. So when Jesus is teaching, we know that Jesus has had an encounter with a fig tree. The previous day on their way into this region. And he saw that the fig tree had leaves and he went to the fig tree because if a fig tree has leaves, that's an indication that there's supposed to be fruit on the tree. He reaches for fruit because it says in the scripture he was hungry. That's why he's reaching for fruit on a tree that is advertising fruit. And he finds that there's no fruit under the leaves where it's supposed to be. And so he curses this unproductive tree and says, No man eat fruit of you forever. And he walks on. And I'm sure the disciples were wondering what's that all about. But on the way back out of town, we have an indication that they took note To look at the tree that they had seen and heard Jesus deal with the previous day. And they were astonished. They were surprised. They saw that the tree had already begun to wither up from the root. That words that Jesus had spoken, the declaration Jesus had made was already at work. On that tree, bringing to pass exactly what Jesus had said, and they were shocked. They were so shocked, they got Jesus' attention and said, Master, wow, look at this tree. Look, it's already withering up. Look what's happening to the tree. Jesus wasn't surprised. It did not catch him off guard. He wasn't impressed with himself. He knew it would happen. He expected it to happen. He had initiated it. He had ordained it with his words. He had set in motion what was taking place. And so he says to his disciples, operate the faith of God. Verse 22, have faith in God. Operate the faith of God. Use the faith of God. Put the faith of God to work. He's he's not saying, oh, just trust God. Just believe God. God's going to do it. He says, no, you take God's faith and you put it to work. And we know that by the next verse being a specific, detailed description of how to put the faith of God to operation Employed in your life to deal with unproductive situations in your life. We talked about it this morning. The power to bind on the earth has been given to us. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound, whatever you loose. There's some binding, there's some loosing that needs to take place in your life. There is a responsibility delegated, an ability that comes with a responsibility delegated to the believer, and he says, you operate the faith of God. You put the faith of God into action in your life. And then he describes the operation of the faith of God. He said, for truly I say to you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Now he has given specific dynamics of the operation of faith. He has given some some. The targeted, the main components, you could say, of the operation of faith. And so if you just read that randomly and you think, okay, be thou removed. Whosoever will say, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not die on his heart, but believe the same to, him, he will have whatsoever he says. Okay, that's how you work faith. Believe in your heart. Don't uh, say with your mouth, you'll have what you say. But when you begin to study the word of God, you realize. For a person to do this, it's going to take some practice. Because for you to make a declaration to a situation, a circumstance, speak to the mountain, for you to do that, and like Jesus, walk away without looking back, without giving it any more of your, your, your mental real estate, any more of your thought life, that takes... A re- that takes a renewed mind to be able to cast down the imaginations of what if it didn't work? And what are you going to do if, 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 you, if it didn't work? And, and you know, your words, there, there's got to be a very firm reliance on the fact that the words that you spoke have power. So what we're seeing is Jesus describing how it works in a, at a proficient level. He's, he's setting the high water mark for us. He's saying, this is how I want you to do it. But in that first glance, we recognize I'm going to have to bring some skill to that. I'm going to have to put that into practice. It's not something I'm going to do randomly without having the preparation. So tonight, my assignment is to begin preparing us for faith. What are some of the components that we need to become proficient in so that each one of these as they operate are going to be able to go effectively into operation and not have a hitch over here with our thought life or a hitch over here with the words of our mouth. And so today I want to emphasize one of the first components that I see necessary to develop skill in, and it is found here in this phrase, this person will not doubt in his heart, shall not doubt in his heart. To resist doubt requires that we establish our heart, and that isn't something that you do on a whim, It's not something that you do without thinking about it, without being purposeful in establishing the heart. It is something that we take the effort and invest the time to establish our heart so that we can prepare our heart to the point that when the opportunity to doubt arises, we know how to resist it. Because doubt comes to everyone. Doubt is something that is presented. It's a major tool of the enemy because it's, if he can just get a person to doubt it, it doesn't matter how many times they make their declaration. If they come off that declaration, if they vacillate, if they hesitate, if they waver, don't let that wavering person think they'll receive anything from the Lord. Why? It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. How can you receive when receiving is done by faith? By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah receives strength to conceive. See, by faith. Faith is a receiving force in the spiritual arena. And if I vacillate, then I'm not in a place where faith is able to receive. And so... Resisting doubt requires that we establish the heart. Let's look at Psalm 112 and verses 6 through 8. Psalm 112 verse 6. I love the entire psalm because it is a description of the righteous. But I want to look specifically at this establishing that we see in the life of the righteous. Righteous. Verse 6 says, surely he shall not be moved forever. I want you to see yourself in that verse. That's you. That's what God's working in our lives. That you and I would be people who would not be moved. That we are so rooted in the things of God. So rooted in the faithfulness of God. So rooted in his goodness and in his promises. That nothing the enemy, that the world, that... The news or whatever force is in in operation can do. It will not move us. He shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Think about this. I'm always remembering what God said. Remembering what God did. Remembering God's faithfulness. I'm remembering his redemption. Do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. I'm remembering the Lord every time I praise, every time I worship. I'm putting my thoughts and my, my imaginations on His majesty, His goodness, His stalwartness. Amen. It says, He, the righteous, shall not be afraid. Of evil tidings. Well, this is how we're resisting doubt. This is what it's gonna take for us to resist the doubt when we're in a stand of faith. We will not be afraid of evil tidings because our heart is fixed. That word fixed is like anchored. Anchored, trusting. So, trust is an anchor. Trusting in the Lord. Remember what the Lord told me back in October of last year. He said, trust in God, His Word, and His ways. They, that trust is a safeguard. A safeguard for us. It, we, it's like a refuge. We run into the rock. In the cleft of the rock, we're safe. It's our refuge. His, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, a refuge. Hallelujah. So this trust is an anchor against fear, against doubt, against wavering, against that which would separate us from the truth of the promise. His heart is established. This is our goal. This is our our endeavor to have our heart established. And when our heart is established, we shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. So this is available to the righteous. This is available to us. We need to set that as the picture of what we're we're establishing in our life. This is what we're building. We shall not be moved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are tempted to say, why isn't it working... Because that's what what would stop the work of faith. When you put the operation of faith into play, the enemy wants to back you off of the faith and get you to nullify what you have put into operation because he can't stop it. He can't stop the working of the faith as long as we leave it in play as long as we leave it in operation. But if he can get us to pull back and get us to say, why isn't it working? Then we take that faith out of gear. We take it, we, we, we uh, deactivate it and it's not moving towards the fulfillment of what it was working on, but we've just backed it off because that question is Doubt. That remember Brother Hagen said, if does not belong in the petition of prayer, of faith, the, the prayer of faith. It is the badge of doubt. If it be your will, is appropriate in a prayer of sanctification that is saying, Lord, whatever you have for my life, if it be your will, I submit to that. It's appropriate there. But for you to say, Lord, If it's your will to heal this person, you have violated the the legal petition requirements of the prayer of faith. And that is now no longer a prayer of faith. And it's not going to put into play the operation of faith because God clearly states it's his will to heal. It's never up for grabs of, well, I don't know if God wants to heal him or he doesn't. He always does. He already Place the stripes on Jesus' back. He already himself took our infirmities. He's already made available the provision of it. So that there's never an if. It be your will to heal. If it be your will to bless me, I have scripture that says he takes pleasure in our prosperity. Amen. That when we honor him with our substance, he will fill our barn. Hallelujah. When we we bring our tithe into the storehouse, he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for us that there's not room enough to receive. We've got too much scripture to bring, if it be your will, to meet my needs. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. So we're not in faith if we are bringing the question. And so Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he said... Don't take those thoughts saying, and what what were they? Questions. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? Wherewithal, or what shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? He said, don't take those thoughts asking those questions. Why? Because they just breed doubt. They breed doubt. He said, no, don't seek the needs. Don't seek the needs. Seek the kingdom because your needs will be added to you in the kingdom if you'll just seek the kingdom. But notice he said that when the thoughts are given vocal activation, they are accepted legally into your life. That when you speak them, you're signing for it. When you speak them, you're receiving them with a legal receipt and the enemy can say, I got her words. She received it. Right. Okay. I've got her words. What she said out of her mouth, what he said out of his mouth, gave me legal access. Amen. What did Job do continually? Amen. He was asking questions. Maybe it could be that my children have cursed God. It could be he was those questions and he practiced them continually until he became highly developed in fear. But listen, family, it's possible that we not doubt at all. We can become so skilled in the establishing of our heart that we will not be moved. Hallelujah. We will not be moved. That's what we're going to do. We're going to recognize. I know what that question's trying to make me do. I know the door that question's trying to bring. I'm not, you know what? I have an answer to that question. It is written. (laughs) I have an answer for that question. Let me see. I think I have a whole lot of answers to that question. Where shall I start, Mr. Devil? Let me give you some answers. Why? Because I'm not entertaining the question. I'm entertaining the answer. Hallelujah. I'm going to entertain the answer. He's already given. Listen, God's not a closed book tester. I know you've heard people say it. I know you've heard people say it. Well, when you're taking the test, the teacher is silent. God says, bring your book. Just bring your book. As long as I've got the book, I've got the answers. And God has never asked me to take a test without the book. He has allowed me to bring the... It's a, every test is an open book test. Hallelujah. So God's not silent as long as you have his word. If you have his word, he's speaking to you. He's answering you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. Jesus did not go into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil all by himself. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness In every temptation, the Holy Spirit led him how to answer. He was led the whole time. He was led in every moment, in every test. And he's in your heart today. And there's not a test that you are under the pressure of that the Holy Spirit isn't available. And on 24-7-365 call, he's available to answer every situation and tell you what to do when you're under pressure. Hallelujah. And Jesus came out in the power of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit led him throughout every test. And the Holy Spirit will lead us through every situation, every difficult uh, 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 circumstance that we encounter. We are not left to ourselves to figure this out and to, to, to uh, white-knuckle it through. Amen. Amen. When we recognize the doubt, how it comes, the pressure it brings, it, it, it has real feelings with it. The doubt can, can bring that, that sense of alarm. Have you felt it? Have there been times that a thought has come and it's almost like you can feel your blood pressure rise and your heart's beating and you're thinking, oh my gosh. If you recognize, wait, 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 that started with a thought. That came by a thought. I need to replace that thought. I need to take that thought captive and not allow it to get me any more worked up than it has already done. I need to take the thoughts of God and over, override that thought that has brought alarm and panic. And so, do you see why I'm telling you this needs training? This is something we're going to have to practice in the in the everyday arenas, in the in the situations and circumstance that we're encountering every day. Because as we learn to overcome the the smaller things the everyday things then will also be able to take that same skill on a larger level amen the skill that brother copeland has today the skill that he has when he was dealing with he, he his his television ministry was 6 million dollars behind Brother George was the CEO at the time. He said, I was the $6 million man. (laughs) And how did they deal with the pressure that came from that financial duress? $6 million. And it was a daily broadcast. So every day it was growing. And Brother Copeland said, I could sell this piece of property. I could sell this. And the Lord said, what are you going to do next month? He had went from a weekly program to a daily program, and he had done it at the direction of the Lord. Now he's on this daily program, and the finances are piling up and piling up, and now they have $6 million behind, and he's going into the board meeting, the annual board meeting, And he's up all night, and so they had brought the information from all the other departments in the ministry, and so he's in there looking over this the night before the board meeting, and the Lord said, did you notice that every other department is in the black and is doing abundantly fine, and it's just the television department that you are in control of, that you have your hands on and you won't give to me? It was just that one thing that he was worrying about. That See, the pressure came with real feelings. The pressure brought, brought a physical stress to it. It brought a mental stress, an emotional stress to it. And I remember Sister Gloria saying during that time that they went on a motorcycle, just the two of them on their motorcycle, and she said, We listened to Charles Capps calling those things that be not as though they were. And I think it's a two CD set. And she said, by the time we got home, we knew what to do. And they started, listen, they started sewing. They started calling it. They took what I talked to you about earlier today. They took the word. They put the word in their heart. They brought the word out of their mouth. And they began sowing the word into their heart. And it was in here that it changed before it changed out here. And they said, it just seemed like every month they were getting more and more caught up and more and more caught up until one day they were back in the black. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But in the moment of the pressure coming against you, you've got to recognize how it came. It came with a thought through a thought by a thought and that thought brought all the entrance of the feelings and the the cares and if i allow them to enter it says the entering in of the care chokes out the word the parable of the sower the entering in so if it never enters it'll never choke i'm in charge of the care entering or not entering and so I've, for me to work Mark eleven twenty three faith, I'm going to have to become established in my heart. And that means I'm going to be a dictator over what gets in. Yes. I'm going to be a stickler about what I allow in my heart. Amen. I'm going to be diligent about the thoughts because thoughts are entrance points. They are entry points into my life. And if I allow wrong thoughts, Jesus said, take no thought saying. If I accept the thought by giving voice to it, then I've authorized it to have activity in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to be skilled in Philippians chapter four that says that I, I cast my care upon the Lord, that I take those thoughts and I only think on whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Why? Why? Because I've already made my petitions known to God. I don't have to allow the thoughts to loop and replay over and over trying to make my list and figure out how I'm going to fix it. Amen. Why? Because that's just going to allow the cares to wear me down and choke out the word. Hallelujah. So to resist the temptation of the question, we've got to look at the evidence of God's word. Look at the evidence of God's word. Why, the doubt always points you to something you can see, something you can feel, something that is is apparent, visible in your face. They're calling and demanding payment for that. They want this to change. I've got to have this by this due date. Deadlines. Uh, the, The thought always points you towards that pressure point. What have you got? You've got to train yourself to take your attention and put it on the evidence that supersedes and has the power to change that situation. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 18. I'm going to ask, go straight to the Amplified on the screen, if you will. The Amplified of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18 says, Since we consider... And look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen. But what are we looking at? What are we going to look at? Things that are not seen. What? What do you mean look at things that are not seen? I'm talking about with the eyes of faith. I can look at it. And I can see it because the Word described it to me. Amen. If, if, if I wanted to describe my car to somebody who'd never seen it, I could give them a verbal description and they could walk out and in a, a parking lot full of cars, they could locate mine. If, I've, if I have given them the description of what it looks like, they can see it with their mind's eye. Amen. Right? Right? And so God gives us his word that is truth, and he says that we can look at that and not consider and look at the things that, are, that the enemy's using to try to put that pressure on with. And when we look at these unseen things, that's how the glory is worked in our lives. Back up and look at the previous verse. Look at 17. For our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour is evermore and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory. But listen, trouble doesn't make you stronger if you're looking at the wrong thing. You see, that's how people say: if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Gonna make you stronger. Lies, lies. There was an entire multitude of people who died in the wilderness. It didn't make any If it, if if what doesn't if if it makes them stronger, why'd they die in the wilderness? They didn't get stronger in the wilderness. They got weaker. Why? Because they kept looking at the scene. What works the more exceeding weight of glory for us is when we look. Go back to King James. This light momentary affliction works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18. While. While. We look at the unseen eternal truth and make that our focus. When we have that as our center point, that's my anchor. The truth is my anchor, and that's working in me, the more eternal weight of glory. So there are a lot of people who go through very tough times, and, and it destroys their life because they'll never turn to the word. So God's not putting any of the trouble on anybody. But he's always available when someone gets under pressure, just look to me, come to my word, I'll show you the way out. And then they get stronger and they say, I got stronger because of the test. No, you got stronger because of the word you turned to in the test. There were people who went through the same test and it ruined them. So again, the glory of God is worked in us. Why? Because we're looking at what he said, we're looking at this which is not seen, the word, this this source of truth, things that are not seen are eternal, things that you can see, the situation is temporal, subject to change. Hallelujah. So why would you want to look at something that's changeable? And establish your life on it. We want to establish our life on something that's eternal. That's right. Glory to God. So 1 Corinthians 128, 1 Corinthians: 128 is a companion scripture to that. Verse 27 says, "God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So we could say, and God has chosen base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and things which are not. What are you supposed to be looking at? Things which are not seen. God has chosen things which are not in manifestation to bring to naught things that are in manifestation. So if you can see it and it's changeable, how do you change it? God has chosen God has chosen things which are not to bring to naught, to nullify, to, to to change into a non-factor the things which are. Hallelujah. Things which are not in manifestation. So if you are fighting sickness in your body, what's not in manifestation? Healing. So what do you need to do? You need to take healing and you need to... Call it. God calls those things that be not. We're talking about things that are not in manifestation, things that are in manifestation. God has chosen things which are not in manifestation to bring to naught, to nullify or to destroy the things that are in manifestation. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why we don't look at things which we see and, and make our decisions based on those things and establish our life on those things. Why? Why? Because I can take this and I can change that. So why would I want to make a permanent decision, Sarah, in a temporary situation? Right? Something that we're still dealing with today in the conflict between the Arabs and the Israelis. Because one woman (laughs) made a permanent decision in a temporary situation because she was looking at what she could see. And she said, I don't have what it takes to be able to provide for you the child that God has promised you so you can have my maid because she was looking at what she could see instead of looking at what God had said. And God still had to bring her back and say, no, out of your womb, out of your womb. And so Abraham had to take his eyes off of what his body was telling him, what he could see, and he had to bring to naught the thing that was in manifestation, the barrenness of his wife and the age of his body. He had to bring that to naught by, according as it was spoken, so shall your seed be, as he looked at the stars, so shall your seed be, as he looked at the sand. Under his feet. He was living in the desert. (laughs) So shall your seed be. Up under the stars. So shall your seed be. And he had to take those words. So shall your seed be. So shall your seed be. Five words. He took five words. Romans chapter 4 tells us five words. So shall your seed be. And he gave that his attention. And he considered not his own body now dead. He didn't consider why well, he wasn't looking at things which could be seen. He was taking something that could not be seen in manifestation yet, and he was bringing to naught what he could see in manifestation, which was the age of his body and the barrenness of his wife's womb. Amen. Hallelujah. And the same faith that works for Abraham works for us. That we can take what God has said, even though we don't see it in manifestation, and we take it as truth. This is truth for my life. This is true about me. Be it unto me according to your word. How am I going to have a child? I've never been with a man. You're going, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, Mary. And the child that will be born of you will be the son of the most high God. And she had to take what God has said and let it be. Be it unto me according to your word. According to as it was spoken, so shall your seed be. And we have, we have Colossians and Galatians and Ephesians. We have the promises of God's word. We have the written word full of as it is spoken and written, that we can take and we can frame our world by the Word of God. Amen. This is the establishing. But listen, it doesn't happen with just the idea, oh, I'm going to establish myself on the Word. la da No, you're going to establish yourself on the Word. You're going to have to let the Word take precedent over those feelings. Over those temptations to doubt. You're going to have to allow it to be. The the stable ground you're standing on. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 faith builders. Our marching orders. Let's look at verse 3. This ministry is established on this verse right here. This is what the Lord assigned our pastor to. And we see it. In play in this establishing of the heart. Wow. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. We look at those things which are not seen because God has chosen things that are not to bring to naught things that are. The glory is being worked in us while we look not at things which are seen. Why? Because the things which are seen were made from the invisible realm of the things that are not seen. Everything you can touch, everything you can put your hands on, everything you can, can, can experience here in the seen realm came from the unseen realm. It came from the invisible. Everything that exists came from the word. Everything that exists will respond to the word. It will respond to the word. Why? It's governed by the word. It, he upholds this entire universe by the word of His power. Amen. So, our finances will respond to the word. The peace in our home will respond to the word. The health of our body will. Your body will respond. If you you may have to 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 dominate and say, "Listen here." This is how it's going to be. This is a blessed body. Yes. Listen here, body. You're not dominated by the curse. You're dominated by the blessing, and we're not going to respond to the curse. Hallelujah. Brother Copeland said that he reached a certain age, and his body started doing things that his grandfather's body had done, and his grandfather before him had done. And he went to the Lord, and the Lord said, your physical body is trying to follow the natural DNA of your, of your uh, natural body. And you're going to have to take your faith and override it. And can you see how healthy he is today? The man is in fit condition. He is sound in mind and sound in body. But he experienced a time about 15 years ago that his physical body started to yield to the curse. And he had to take his faith and start resisting it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's what I'm saying. There may be things that when you recognize your body's trying to yield to something that, that maybe, uh, as the medical profession says, runs in your family, stop it. It's not running in me now. No, I'm running from here. I'm stopping that course, but it's not going to happen just because you own a Bible. Just because you attend Faith Builders, it's gonna happen because you take what's being taught from this Bible, put it in your heart, put it in your mouth and say, not in my body. This body, you've got to take those things which are not in manifestation and bring to naught the thing that is in manifestation. If high blood pressure is in manifestation, you've got to take the health that is available through the stripes on Jesus' back and you've got to say, himself took my infirmities. I take authority over this blood pressure and I'll speak to you. Now, don't throw your medicine away. Take your medicine and speak the word till the the doctor says you don't need this medicine anymore. Amen? Amen. Amen. But what I'm telling you is that your your faith has to be purposefully initiated against that for you to establish that truth in your life. Now, I want to look at Peter, and then I think I'm going to stop here and uh, we'll pick up. Again, since I'm going to be here all yeah. week and next weekend too. Let's look at Matthew 14 because it is possible for us to not doubt. He said, ask in faith, doubting nothing. Just take James chapter 1 right there in verse 6. Let him ask in faith, doubting nothing, no doubt. And so, you know, if he said it, in, if Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three that I can speak to the mountain and doubt not in my heart, and James said in James chapter 1 and verse 6 that I could ask in faith, doubting nothing, then it's possible for me to reach a place where I never doubt, where I just, I'm not moved, that my heart is established and I'm not moved to doubt. I can take that faith stand and I can just keep standing. And so what we see in... I want to compare Peter and then Jairus, and then we'll, we'll pause from here. Peter, in Matthew 14, 27, he sees Jesus walking on the water, and he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. In verse 27, straightway Jesus spoke unto them, said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come unto you on the water. And he said, Come. So notice Peter initiated this. He wanted in on this, right? He said, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. We should just leave it there, right? Peter should have just left it. It's working. It's not broke. Don't try to fix it, right? But when he saw, we do not look at things which do appear. The glory is worked in us while we look not at things which do appear, but we look at those things which do not appear. Could he see the word? C-O-M-E. Well, not with his physical eyes. He couldn't see the word come, but he could see the wind, and he could see the waves, and they spoke to him they told him that the pressure of those thoughts that they presented to him look how large these waves are i mean he's a fisherman he's been on this the sea of galilee all of his life he knows the way that that wind is working and those seas are raging and his mind the thoughts that are initiated by what he sees it says he was afraid he was afraid What do we see from Psalm 112? He shall not be moved by evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. He saw the wind and he was afraid and beginning to sink. I've never seen anyone begin to sink. I've seen people step off the side of the pool into the water and they didn't sink incrementally. They sank quickly. I mean, right down under the water. But Peter didn't sink in a moment. He began. As his faith diminished, looking at what he was, because what? The entering in of cares chokes out the word. It chokes it. It's not a sudden destruction like the the wayside soil where the enemy came and stole the word. Boom, it's gone. It's not even the sudden destruction of one day where the sun comes out and, and it withers away. It chokes it out little by little, choking it out. Incrementally, Peter begins to sink. And that's why I tell us today, I tell you today, We've got to recognize the thought and learn to deal with that thought right away, not allow it to get us to the place where it has worked a whole imagination that has a video that plays in our mind. I remember when my children were younger, my my grown children when they were kids and uh, specifically times that they would take the car. And i did, we didn't have cell phones ran, r- available then, and so they didn't have cell phones. I couldn't call them, and so I am left at the mercy of my imagination right. to wonder where are these kids, and why are they late? I know! <laughs> because... The enemy is there to help all the imaginations. And then when they finally did come home and you're like, oh. But all that has been choked out in the meantime, all of the spiritual energy that's been drained in the meantime of that 30 minutes of waiting between they were supposed to be home. Now, why it didn't bother me at 1130? They weren't supposed to be home till midnight. So here I am. It, the, none of the worry even started till midnight, and they're not home. Now, now I'm standing there with my looking at the time, looking at the and every every minute that passes, every moment that they're late, and I'm looking down the road. I'm seeing if they're turning down the road. I'm watching for their car. I'm listening for their car. And all of the spiritual energy that was drained during that time. Hallelujah. We've got to take immediate action. It says, if we want to operate the faith of God, Jesus said, we've got to be able to speak and not doubt in our heart. It's possible. It's possible. But to do that, we're going to have to be diligent about what's about the condition of the heart. Proverbs 4: Attend to my words incline your ear to hear them do not let them depart from in front of your eyes because it is medicine to all of your flesh it is life unto those who find them this word and then it says guard your heart with all diligence for out of your heart flows the forces, the issues of life. Hallelujah. Your spiritual heart, for, for your faith to work, you're going to have to establish the heart. I've told us ladies for years, we are not hysterical women. We are Sarah's daughters. We are daughters of faith. We are not hysterical women. Why? We we are not moved over to that place just because of a, a situation, a circumstance. We establish our heart and let that ground be the ground that holds us. Amen. Amen. The word of God will if you'll if you'll establish it as the foundation, it'll hold you up. Amen. It'll hold you up. It'll sustain you Amen. in times of trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, did you receive tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, Jairus, he had a different response. Jairus was my, my comparison to Peter. Peter, he, he looked at the wind and the waves, but Jairus, who came to Jesus for his daughter to be healed, they came to Jairus and said, don't bother Jesus because she's already dead. That's, that, that's worse than wind and waves. That's a report of it's hopeless, it's over. It's it's no no use you even trying. No, why why even believe now? And Jesus said, Do not fear, don't doubt, only believe. And he was able to maintain his focus. He was able to not look at things which are seen, but to look at things which do not appear and he brought into manifestation if he had if he had let go and allowed his heart to doubt his they would have buried his daughter but because he made, he'd already put faith in action remember i said it faith will will continue to work as long as you don't draw it back Amen. he had already he didn't have to do anything more after that attack of your daughter's dead it's, it's no use. It's hopeless. Give up. He didn't have to do anything else about his faith. He'd already done what he needed to do to get faith in operation. He just had to let it keep working. He, he couldn't withdraw it. Jesus said, don't draw back on it. Don't fear. Do not fear. Only believe. So he kept his faith out there and he got what he was believing for. Amen. We shall not be moved. Stand with me to your feet.